You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you. And good afternoon or evening to whoever you are listening, wherever you are and whatever time you are in. Yeah, that's probably the most succinct it could be. That's. I think I've covered all my basic bases, unless you're a super night owl and you're listening to this mm. at midnight or three in the morning or whatever. But I guess that still covers yeah. the bases. I think we're good. Yeah, well, mm. at any rate, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Today, actually, this is the first podcast recording in which I've gotten a new bag of coffee beans in the mail. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, this is, not that anyone asked, um, <laughs> I believe the company is called Feast or something like that. And here's the interesting part, the important part. The blend is called Milk and Honey. Ah! Oh, I'm like, aha. As in the promised land! Yes, indeed. Canaan! <laughs> this would have been very apt had that in any way been the topic. <laughs> but it's just a little just a little biblical nod for yes, fun. That's right. You know, mm. if uh, you're watching The Prince of Egypt and you're like, what should I drink mm, when right. I'm watching it? That's you right. know, depending on the hour, blend yourself some milk and honey coffee. Yeah. Brought to you by Feast. <laughs> yeah. In which there are a number in the scriptures. That's very true. A lot of feasts. It's very fitting. It is. Yeah, I haven't gotten uh, new coffee recently, but I'm due, I think, in... Two weeks. Very nice, very nice. Three weeks, They've maybe. updated their website recently. Yes, they um, have, and I, to my great shame, have not visited it since they have. I got the email that I needed to update yeah. my password and stuff, but I've not. I will say this. If there are any other trade coffee users out there, the customer service is second to none. It's really wonderful. They always get back to me with my stupid particular questions. <laughs> it's very much appreciated. But as you well know, you can rate the coffee you experience. Correct. Not on a numerical system, which I actually prefer it this way, where it's just like, love it, hate it, neutral, like, like, lo- I don't, you get yeah, it. Yeah, right, Whatever. Right. It's really not the important part. The important part is that it actually helps me, you know, keep in line how I felt about a coffee when it arrived. Because, I, I don't know, six months down the road, I might see that bag again and be like, oh, that seems interesting. Oh, wait, I've had it. But it's been six months, so I forgot exactly what it might have looked like, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, I didn't care for that. So I'm not going to make the mistake of giving my entire month over to a, a bag of beans that I was not thrilled by. But with the new website, you're like, where are my ratings? They're, they're missing. I don't have a tab to access my rating. I was very distressed by this. Oh, no. In the most comfortable first century way imaginable. <laughs> 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 and um, I, I just wrote into them. I'm like, I, I mean, love the website chain. I mean, it's great. Great, great work. However, <laughs> comma. <laughs> I'm like, that was something that was actually just very useful. And I don't imagine I'm the only one, but just in case, like, if it any encouragement to bring that back is useful, I would love to just throw my hat in the ring and say that was that was just really useful as just a user to to be able to sort my thoughts on something. Turns out uh, it's coming back. It's just they're just taking some time re-implementing the functionality of the old website and under the like I guess the new the new hardware the new mm. tech or whatever. But if you're a user and you're missing that, good news, it's coming back. Ethan took one for the team. Really he, did. He really sent did. an email to <laughs> I customer sent service. An email. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that yeah. is a good good thing to know yeah and i'll really share the joy of that together if we are assured. trade users <laughs> and uh you know speaking of being unified and joy and mm. all that fun stuff mm. <laughs> that was the segue in case you couldn't tell as i always like to draw attention to <laughs> this is for those of you who skipped the banter for reasons i don't understand i don't either <laughs> Don't you want to know about the functionality of a coffee ordering website? Don't you want to know? Oh, come on now. <laughs> oh. But yes, I was um, 
recently reading through a part of Galatians, mm. and I was reminded of just how unifying uh, the true gospel is when we put our faith in, in Christ. And I was reminded of it by reading a part of how Paul was dealing with divisions mm. around the gospel. Yeah. There's, that is a very big thing with him. Yeah. It's also pretty evergreen. Yeah, yeah. You, you some, always applicable. <laughs> some things have not changed. <laughs> very true. Yeah. You know, maybe the specific context, such as in Paul's case, mm. the specific dividing issue that he was dealing with in Galatians was very particular sure. to his context. Very true. But, you know, as is the case with scripture, the principle underneath it holds true throughout all of time. Yeah. And uh, he was dealing with the so-called Judaizers. Mm. Right? You may have heard this term. We've preached on this before and sure. all that fun stuff. But the so-called Judaizers were those Jews who had ostensibly trusted in Christ for their salvation, mm. but their first love was not Jesus. Uh, it became clear, rather, that their first love was the Mosaic Law, along with all the Jewish traditions that had sprung out of it. So, in a word, for them, Jesus was a nice add-on to Judaism. Sure. But faith in him alone was not enough to make you right with God. So, for them, you had to be circumcised. And in essence, you had to become a practicing Jew in order to be made right with God. And you can imagine how that would go to the the common (laughs) Greco-Roman. Can't imagine how this perfectly overlays our modern context. No, not at all. I mean, uh, circumcision aside. That yeah. is. <laughs> Thank the Lord, every every man <laughs> said. But yeah, so these Judaizers uh, came along to the Galatian churches that Paul had planted after he'd left. Mm. And they began fracturing them and stirring up division by basically saying, Paul got you off to a good start by proclaiming faith in Christ, except actually that's not enough to make you right with God. You know, again, Christ, Christ is kind of the add-on. He's the add-on. I resent the smugness. It's yeah. so, it's so irritating. Yeah. So <laughs> naturally, of course, Paul is not going to have any of this. Right. And so um, in Galatians chapter two, here's what he says in verses one through five. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem and he's talking about his figuring out how the gospel works and reorienting his entire previously zealous Judaic life around the gospel. I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, who was the first guy who brought him to the apostles. Mm. Didn't believe that he was out to kill everyone when he first came up to Jerusalem. That's right. I took Titus along also, who was a Greek convert. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. And this matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Hmm. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So, in summary, from the outset, we know this whole dealio is a massively important issue because Paul doesn't go visit Jerusalem and discuss it based on his own forethought and planning, which is common for him. Uh, He says he brought this matter before the church leaders in Jerusalem because of a revelation. Hmm. In other words, he did all this specifically because God told him to. Right? That's a big deal. It is notable. Yeah. And, And the gospel he preached was simple enough. And we find its content in places like 1 Corinthians 15 and Acts 20, where Paul, he tends to sum up the gospel like this, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, so he was really dead, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that we must put our faith in him and turn toward God from sin. Hmm. The whole chunk of scripture. Yeah. I feel like 
each verse, I'm like, wow, that's a point that I would like to draw out. But it's <laughs> a kind of off topic because there's just, there's just a lot there. But verse four, especially, like it sugarcoats nothing. Like in yeah. it, it almost feels like kind of quote unquote volatile in the mm-hmm. wrong hands. I, I'm, I'm kind of putting that in air quotes. But the, the idea of like contrasting freedom in Christ with being a slave to these other requirements that to me, at least especially within this context, is going to ask a lot of people. I mean, I imagine they care very much about these issues. And and the level right. of maturity or humility that is required to set that aside in service to like a more meaningful identity is an incredibly difficult proposition. I mean, clearly this was a big deal to them, like the whole yep. addition of the like the Judaic law in practice. But I mean, that's even true now. Like the yep. kind of associated add-ons that are very important to us for various reasons. Not that they're bad, but they, they can be improperly ordered. Right, yes. And that's a very good qualifier, the improper ordering, which is yeah. where I like the first love thing. Like, was it Christ yeah. your first love or is it the Mosaic Law? And like for them, it's very clearly the Mosaic Law that's exactly. actually their first love. Yeah. And again, not to throw stones here because you can understand, I think, if you especially get into their heads, you know, their first century Jews basically have been living in exile more or less for centuries now, you know. Yeah. And uh, their identity being founded in that was what gave them kind of like an anchor point to rally around and stand upon. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you you start talking about this it's like, well, you, you're threatening to mm-hmm. totally disintegrate, you know, yeah. who we are and what we do and what we believe and why. But actually, no, you know, like that's actually not what Paul is after here. Right. And what you see in that passage is that there are no prerequisites mm-hmm. to believing the gospel. I think that's the other underlying piece of this. Christ secured salvation for us by his own work, and we don't need to add any work of ours in order to come to him. Yeah. Right. That's the key distinction. You know, you don't have to be circumcised and become a Jew <laughs> in order to be made right with God through faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. You could say that about anything. You don't have to join the right political party or exhibit the proper spiritual gift or hold to a certain theological position before you can come to Christ, right? No prerequisites to that. All the fun, hot topic identity markers. Yes, right, right. (laughs) That are like very important to us for various reasons, but I think that demonstrates like the serious weight of these verses. Like that, when we think about how much that matters to us in our time, it's not so hard to imagine their circumstance and how important these elements were to their daily life. Right, right. And we're going to get down to this a little bit later, but you even see this in Paul's own ministry, like in the book of Acts. He doesn't actually end up totally repudiating his own observance of Jewish customs Hmm. and traditions. Like he still will do those things as a Jew, but his issue here is you can't require that yeah. before people can come to Christ and be made right with God by faith in his name, mm-hmm. because that is all that God does require right. on that front. Yeah. So when Paul presented this gospel to the leaders in Jerusalem, he brought that uncircumcised Greek named Titus in order to prove the point. <laughs> it's pretty bold. It was yeah, bold. like you can't, you know, this isn't going to be a hypothetical thought exercise anymore. Like he's, he's like, here's, here's a guy right here. Yeah. I would have been pretty nervous, honestly, if I was Titus in that moment. I'm like, yeah, you better you have think, my back, man. He's he's got to have some, as uh, as they would say, serious cojones, you know, in all kinds of ways <laughs> to do something like that, right? You know, no no 
no ill humor intended. Yeah. Titus trusted in Christ for his salvation. Mm. Yeah. And thankfully, the Jerusalem leaders affirmed Paul's message and said, you speak truly. This man is one of us. Mm. He does not need to be circumcised. And so that became a defining moment for Christianity because Paul was doing more than just affirming that we don't have to first become Jews in order to become Christians. Yeah. He was affirming the freeing, simple gospel, which says we don't have to first do anything in order to become Christians. We need only trust Jesus. He sealed once and for all the glorious, freeing, unifying truth that no one can require anything for justification that God has not required. Mm. And the reason Paul was so adamant about this was because to require what God has not is to end up losing the gospel itself and enslaving people to the whims of zealots rather than free them to salvation. Mm, yeah, I mean, because then suddenly it's it's the preference of the ruling powers that like socially determines your involvement in a, in a faith community, I guess, yeah. which is like startling. Yeah. What, what I also find kind of interesting about this, and I, there are many asterisks surrounding what I'm about to draw out, but this wasn't like meant to, to merely demonstrate that Titus didn't have to be circumcised to come to Christ, but like I would presume he didn't have to either either did he was there a thing where it happened after the fact no Mm-mm. because like we, like we see this in in other situations other matters of like um behavior between like jews and gentiles it's not like it's not only that you don't have to adopt these things to enter into this faith community you don't have to do it afterwards either right which granted there are other things that like that doesn't apply to it's like you know you don't have to do this or that but like now that you have given your life to christ yes there are certain like expectations of like repentance and so on yeah. and so forth but what i do think is interesting about this where that where it's like not a matter of of like a sin it's not only that he didn't have to do it to enter he didn't have to do it afterwards either right. it wasn't like that it's pretty remarkable you know what i mean yes. it's like that i think really emphasizes the degree and then the level of of freedom that Paul is, is pushing here. It's like, right. Yeah, it's, you backed it up, man. Yes. <laughs> it's like very clear. Yes, yes. And it is also interesting on that note is you see how, again, to the point that some of this is contextualized in that Paul did have Timothy mm. circumcised. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> but that, and that's where you have to be really careful when you're thinking about this because he didn't do that in order to say, oh, you actually do need to do this mm, right. in order to be welcomed into the community or be justified, that was because his mother mm. was a Jew. Mm. And so if he's going to go minister to the Jews, that's going to become a major yeah. stumbling block. Yeah. So that's a completely different issue altogether. Of course. Um, yeah. But all that is to say, to your point, in those tenuous early days of the church, this meant that Jew and Gentile could link arms and eat with one another and work together to advance the cause of Christ, even though they still looked different from one another in many ways. You know, because the Jews at that time still worshipped in the temple. Yeah. You see that? They go to the temple for the hours of prayer, to worship, but the Gentiles could not do that. Right. They, used, they, they could not go into the temple. Yeah. The Jews still kept their dietary laws, whereas the Gentiles ate as they saw fit. Hmm. Paul deals with that at length in Romans 14. Yeah. Jews could still practice circumcision as part of their traditions, which, again, coming back to Timothy is an example of that. Hmm. But the Gentiles were freed from doing so. Um, as Paul would say, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts, Aha, right? It's, but, but rather the heart. Yes, yes. But to exactly that point, they all shared the common unifying belief in the true gospel of the Christ who came to die for their sins and rescue them from the present evil age. Yeah. And so, likewise, in these tenuous days of the now 2,000-year-old <laughs> Jesus movement, this means that we can link arms and eat with and work to advance the cause of Christ with other Christians and churches mm. who may look a little different from us. Yeah. 
who may have different doctrinal distinctives, whose worship may be conducted differently, who may have different ideas about what makes for a most effective and fruitful faith, but whose first love is Jesus, right? Because you have the Gentiles and Jews looking very different from one another still. For sure. Even though they're working together and worshiping together in many ways. Same thing for us. Mm -hmm. So, and I find, as I often do, that C.S. Lewis is very helpful on this subject, (laughs) all right? Um, In his book, Mere Christianity, which is probably outside of the Narnia books, is most well-known. Yes. He talks about Christendom like a great house with many rooms. And I think we've even talked about this on the podcast before. So when you put your faith in Jesus, you enter the house of Christianity, so to speak. And in the halls of that house, you find many doors leading to many different rooms. So you might find one door labeled Presbyterian, another Baptist, Anglican, Methodist, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Congregationalist, Pentecostal, non-denominational, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. Now, the idea is not to get into the hall of mere Christianity and just stay there, right? As Lewis aptly said, the hall is a place to wait in, a place from which to try the various doors, not a place to live in. For that purpose, the worst of the rooms, whichever that may be, is, I think, preferable. It is true that some people may have to wait in the hall for a considerable time. You must keep on praying for light. And of course, even in the hall, you must begin trying to obey the rules which are common to the whole house. And above all, you must be asking which door is the true one, not which pleases you best by its paint and paneling. In plain language, the question should never be, do I like that kind of service, but are these doctrines true? Is holiness there? Does my conscience move me toward this? Mm. Right, so again, that may mean that the Methodist church down the road in some ways looks a little bit different from us. Yeah. Or the Baptist church down the road, whatever have you but we're unified by the same gospel if we trust in the same Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And part of the point here is that once you're in a room, the point is that you are all still members of the same household under the headship of the same Lord. Yeah, it's not about divisions. Right. Yeah. So therefore, even if the rooms are furnished differently, and those who live in the rooms other than ours may think differently about certain issues than we do and have different traditions than we do, if they're under the same roof, there are brothers and sisters And we're under orders to treat them as such because we're united on the central truth of the simple gospel. And none of us was required to choose a room before we were welcomed into the house, (laughs) right? We all got in the same way by faith in Christ. Because as Paul wrote elsewhere, like in Ephesians, there is but one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Hmm. So yeah, that's the gospel unity right there. It's a little aside here. Is it well known what Lewis described himself as? Oh, he was absolutely Anglican. I had a very strong feeling. Yeah, yeah. He actually, I, I believe in that very same section, he's like, if anyone is curious about me, they need look no further than the Anglican prayer book. Like, I'm an Anglican <laughs> through and through. Like, read the 39 articles, that's me. Was Tolkien? A Tolkien was Roman Catholic. Whoa. Yes, and he was actually quite disappointed that when Lewis converted <laughs> to Christianity, he did not convert to Catholicism. <laughs> Fascinating. You know, which is, um, yeah, it's, wow. it's fun. Living it out in action between that's right. two well, that's, authors. You brought it, that's a great <laughs> example um, because they were they were both on very different ends of a lot of important questions mm. that divide, you know, sure. for lack of a better term, you know, that, that are different between mm. Roman Catholics and Anglicans, but they were of the dearest friends and yeah. uh, obviously shared the same love for Christ, wrote amazing books and ate and drank together and did all that fun stuff. Yeah. So living it out indeed, they were, they were. So, well, great way to close right there. So thanks for bringing that up. As far (laughs) as my side, that was brilliant, brilliant full circle bit right there. (laughs) 
So thank you, as always, for listening. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, as always, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. And uh, if you found this content helpful, you want to leave us an honest five-star review, bolstered your unity a little bit. Regardless of platform. That's right. That's right. You know, whether you're an Overcast guy, Apple Podcasts, you're throwing this on some other app that I've not heard of, you know, (laughs) you can do that. But yeah, we would be grateful. And as always... Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.